Hi everyone, welcome to Kena Informative Talks with Larato and Cherise. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, good. How was your week? Good. And yours? Good, hectic, busy. but good. Yeah, you know. Always, always busy. <laughs> the but, time of yeah. our lives. I know. Yeah, but we thank God that yes. uh, we made it through. And yeah, we're here again in this episode. And today we'll be looking at vestibular. Yes. And it's one of the senses that I think, personally, it's not so popular. And yeah, we'll get to understand yes. it and know it better today in this episode. Today we're going to be looking at what vestibular is uh, and what vestibular dysfunction is, the symptoms of it, the sensory processing disorder categories it falls under and how it affects it, the causes and the diagnosis and treatments. Yes. yes. Yeah. And we did dive into the sensory processing disorder yes. in our previous episodes, so check them out and you get to find out more. But in this one, we'll be predominantly looking at vestibular and the sensory uh, processing disorder. So yeah. yes, yes. So vestibular is basically the balance and movement. So we have a little organ in our inner ear that receives information of where we are in our, with our head and body in relation to the space on earth and mm. the space around us. And then it sends those messages to the brain to organize, modulate, discriminate, integrate, and coordinate. And then the brain sends back messages to our sensory parts, specifically like visual, auditory, and gross motor mainly, to adapt our bodies mm -hmm. and respond appropriately. Sure, that's quite informative. And yeah, we will dive into it more mm. so that you, by the end of this episode, you really understand what is vestibular. Because some will say that uh, Cherise just said a lot of words that I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, but we'll break it down. That's why I will yeah. also emphasize to check our video for the yeah. sensory processing disorder because she spoke about discrimination, modulation, mm. uh, integration, coordination, all of that. We, sp we got into it in more detail mm. in the previous uh, episodes. So yeah, look into that. I have a fun demonstration. Can we quickly do yes, that? Yes, okay. yes, please. So just to give you a little bit more detail on what vestibular does and what the function is, if you close your eyes, okay. Okay, and you move forward with your head and neck. Move to the right or left. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you open your eyes, if your eyes see and your body feels and you have projected that you're in the right place where you thought you would be, then your vestibular system is doing its job. Okay. But make sure you know you're right and you're left. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Don't worry. We all get that. I even get that confusion sometimes. Uh, okay, yeah. So that was, yeah. That gives you an idea of what the mm. so the vestibular system is doing its job. 
if you are aware of where you are in space, yeah. you know, if you've done the positions and you know where you are. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that really makes sense. And what you just said, that it's more in relation to our ear. And it's something that sometimes we are not uh, aware of, that how important is our inner ear yes. in terms of our balancing and yes. movements. So, yeah. And then the symptoms, we're going to get into the symptoms. One of the symptoms is off balance, which is something that we just spoke about now. So sometimes the child may be off balance whenever they're walking and all of that. But it's quite, um, we have, we had this conversation earlier on that having that fine line and understanding if the child is still developing, mm -hmm. which is like a toddler, they would still sometimes fall now and then, but you, at that time, you have to give them that time to still develop. But at a certain age, if a child is just walking in a straight path and then they just lose balance, then that's where you can start uh, looking at other symptoms that could be related to that, that losing of balance, falling and stumbling, dizziness. Uh, and sometimes they feel uh, lightheaded, uh, bouncing, vision or blur vision whenever they complain about their vision because vision does also goes along with the with the balancing of their body uh, hearing changes uh, ringing ears thinking and concentration all of this disorientation it really really li links together into their ear, inner ear fatigue a visual and auditory light uh, sensitive or noise sensitive sometimes that they they they're really sensitive to the noise a noise that could be normal to us to them could not be normal and it's something that Sharice uh, will speak about more in categories about the oversensitive and undersensitive one and then memory loss uh, headaches uh, muscle ache back ache confusion bilateral changes motion sickness and fear and anxiety this one would be normally maybe if you're going to a park a child does not want to swing they just avoid swinging they just avoid uh, climbing all of those things that they know that they don't feel safe this is something that Sharice uh, will speak about later on in this episode about that and it, it's something that parents should be aware of and like I said, there is a fine line with the child just having fears and anxiety and doing something, especially maybe it's their first time and they're to do a ride mm -hmm. and them actually have vestibular. So it's very important, like we normally say in all of our uh, episodes, that get to a specialist to be the one to, to, to confirm the diagnosis and don't just take opinions or information you just read only, but get them diagnosed before you say no, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone could say, my child has lightheaded, they're sensitive, they're doing this, they're always falling. I think they have vestibular. Yeah. So it's, it's very important and yeah, yes. to, 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 to do that, you know. And also, like we've mentioned in previous episodes, that there could be so many different things that overlap, where the mm. symptoms overlap. Mm. So it's... We have to be really, really careful, um, and that's why, thank goodness, there are professionals out there, which mm. we'll also discuss a bit later. So we can't just say, um, 
Oh, he's getting nauseous. He's got, like you just mentioned mm. now, very, very, very good point. Yeah. So we have to look at it as a whole mm. and go, you know, it's good to use it as a checklist, like we've mentioned before, but going to the actual professionals who do the specific mm. tests that are approved, you know, and certified is very, very important. Yeah, yeah. And these symptoms, if you look at them, most of them are common things that mm. a child can have on a daily or basis. Or any person for that matter. Yeah, even an, old, even an yeah. adult could have it. So you just have to have that professional to diagnose your child or yourself because even old yeah. adults have vestibular. So, mm. yeah. And then Cherise will... Yes. dive into the sensory processing yes. disorder categories so the next one is yes the sensory processing um, disorder categories so go watch the episode or listen to the episode and you'll get more background on what that is but when it comes to the vestibular specifically in the three categories you get a sensory over responsive you get a sensory under responsive and sensory craving those words are, those words are quite self-explanatory so over responsive would be where someone overreacts with a specific stimuli or someone who is under responsive is completely the opposite and craving is they seek it so we're going to go a bit more into detail with the sensory over responsive so under that one specifically there's two it, it branches off with two different types one is the intolerance to movement um, so they would be petrified of certain movements. This is where the brain can't regulate um, sensation or sensory input. And the other one is gravitational insecurity. So moving on to the intolerance to movement, this is usually where um, there's incorrect processing that causes a strong dislike for the child or the person. And they would, what we call, overreact others would see as overreacting but to them it's a sincere genuine thing that they're experiencing because of this this incorrect processing that takes place so um, even watching others spin or watching an object spin can make them mm. feel nauseous mm. even moving in a circle can cause headaches and stomach aches so they are really sensitive to these type of movements mm. even watching it could could affect them mm. and this obviously does uh, to affect their daily activities yes yeah because yes. if they're playing outside with their friends and they're playing uh, circle time or they're just so running around in a circle and all of that yeah they would be maybe offset about it upset about it that's right so yeah it, it really is something quite important to look up to and it could also affect their social skills because yes. if the other kids are doing specific movements and games and actions mm. they can't participate because of mm. the feelings that they're going through yeah. or yeah. what they're experiencing because mm. of this incorrect processing yeah and it makes them to have a uh, low self-esteem because obviously if their friends are playing and they're not playing with their friends because of maybe they're ill feeling ill like uh, nauseous or dizziness and all of that Obviously, their friends sometimes will say, oh, she's always tired or she's yeah. always has a headache whenever we play. Or even the friends might think that 
she doesn't or he doesn't want to play with them yeah. so it really really affects uh, their daily lives and interaction with other kids and we keep saying this in all the episodes that we do how this impacts the child as a being and as mm -hmm. a person mm -hmm. it's quite big actually if yeah. you think if you listen to and hear the and read and gain the knowledge of the depth it carries the heaviness it carries mm -hmm. it's quite big yeah. it's not so small so anyway, moving on with the intolerance to movement, um, they get easily fatigued as well. This could also impact their school. Mm. And they also um, struggle with motor planning, motor planning uh, skills and coordination may suffer as well. Mm. So that's the intolerance to movement. In which oh. this, uh, the intolerance to movement, the motor planning and skills of coordination it's something that you will see with their gross motor also because it will affect their gross motor yes. and affect like the, them in the classroom in writing and all of the other things that needs they need to do sitting up straight in the classroom while they're writing uh, PE while they're doing sports other kids will be doing sports and they can't do sports whatever the reason could be while they're feeling at that time so touching on what you just said mm. now, it really affects the child's well-being. Yes. Yes, that's right. And then uh, to move on to the gravitational insecurity, that is the relation to the ground. So there'll be uh, an urge to be connected to Earth, mm. and they often develop this fear of leaving the Earth, lifting their feet up, doing things like sliding, jumping. They want to remain on the ground all the time it gives them a sense of security so they would avoid any movement where their feet lift the ground or where they're in the sky so that's that gravitational insecurity makes sense because they need mm -hmm. to gravitate they need to stay with their feet flat on the ground so those are the two under the over the sensory over responsive um, category. The second one that falls under that is the sensory um, under-responsive and that is the complete opposite. So this will be where the child is completely oblivious of any movement happening. Mm -hmm. They are never the ones that initiate certain movements but when they do they also don't know where to stop where another child would for instance go okay I need to stop spinning because I'm gonna get sick now mm -hmm. where this child would not be able to feel that he's gonna get sick yeah so that's the complete opposite of the over responsive is the under responsive and uh, the third one is the sensory craving which is typically the child that's seeking the spinning seeking their running seeking their being upside down and those kind of movements they can't get enough of those movements and uh, it increases the intolerance for they have an, in, an increased tolerance for movement and they they seek to resist the gravity in unusual ways mm -hmm. so they're usually the the risk takers they want to be the ones doing parkour jumping up things rolling climbing through tunnels yeah. they want to do all those activities I have quite an interesting story on the sensory craving part because I have a child who is sensory craving when it comes to vestibular systems and he likes to be upside down so often when we visit people or even if we just at home he would turn his body upside down on the couch and his head will be on the ground and his feet will be over the couch 
<laughs> and that's seeking because they want to mm, they yeah. want to stimulate stimulate that. themselves yes. in that way yeah. yes that's one and there's another one where he if we be doing schoolwork randomly he would sit with his head between his legs mm. so he'll move down and put his head between his two knees and it's also the same as the upside down movement mm, mm. it's almost the same yeah. yeah he seeks that that and then also um he likes to be rolled into a blanket i think we spoke about that yes. in one of the episodes we like to be rolled that's also that will be part of the next mm. the next episode we're going to talk about mm. and he likes to jump from high places he's also a risk taker he likes the adrenaline and stuff they're usually the kids that like to take risks when playing mm. from high to low places and you know what i am thinking about while you're just talking now is that at least you are doing homeschooling so that at home they are able to have that freedom imagine in the classroom and your yes. child is sitting upside down and the teacher is not aware or even the parents yeah. yeah you know everyone is not aware maybe the child uh, has a vestibular dysfunction then obviously we'll see that child as a naughty child as a child that doesn't listen but they're actually craving some sensory issue that they have which is at this point vestibular so that's this shows how important it is that movements and things that kids do sometimes they are an indicator especially as educators to look at them that there could be something there and i'm not saying that as educators we should be diagnosing kids mm-hmm. but i'm just saying we should be more understanding and try to figure out why are they doing it in terms of telling them not to do it because obviously as a educator i understand one child will influence the rest of the class yeah. however if they under- if you understand and you give that child allowance to do certain things that is not disrupting the class but soothing themselves with whatever they are doing then it's something that it could be i think exempted in the classroom i had it once a student that would i knew that the maximum time he could concentrate was at 15 to 20 20 minutes i'm pushing it after that he has to go outside he will have this gym balls jump on the board roll do whatever and he had so much energy and then after just doing that goes back to the class and we start again we we do some work so that helped him obviously because he could not just sit for like 30 minutes mm-hmm. or so and the good thing he was diagnosed and he had a OT that would come weekly to see him and all of that so it because of that there was that provision for him and for his needs at that time so yeah, yeah. and that's amazing and i think a lot of children need that because if i you were right the homeschooling is a that's really helps a lot because i it's a, li- a little bit more flexible because i don't have a classroom full like the educators in school so it's easier to try and uh, manage that because mm-hmm. you can just let them do a quick break do a quick exercise what do your body what does your body need this is mm. the thing we always do what does your body need and then he'll tell me i need to go swing 
or I need to be upside down, or I need you to squash me, or I need this. Mm-hmm. So making him aware of what his body's requirements are, mm-hmm. so that he can voice it and tell me, okay, I need this now, okay. Mm-hmm. So they're really not naughty. It, it really is a thing. These children don't even know themselves what's happening in their bodies. They just mm-hmm. know when they do something, it kind of helps it a little bit. So mm-hmm. they, and they can't sit still at all Mm. so the fact that you guys have that that the educators have that where you had to send the child out and he could go jump that's amazing yeah Yeah. there there Mm. needs to be more of this type of correlation my Mm. personal opinion Mm. i know it's difficult yeah it is difficult and yeah yeah because there there are a lot of factors Mm. a lot of fact some uh, educators or schools they have a lot of kids you you have 60 60 to 40 students in one class this is a reality some way, a tactic. some way that a teacher is dealing with 40 kids in one class. And obviously space is limited, resources is limited. Yeah. All of those things are things that obviously we should be mindful of, yes. that not all schools can cater for them. And some, it, it could be that the parents can't afford to have an LSA, someone that would come in and help your child in the classroom while there's a teacher again. So, no. it's sad as it is. It is. It is sad, to be honest. It is sad. But there's just a lot of factors because we, we can't expect a teacher that has 50 kids no. to actually uh, spot that. And, you know. No, you can't. That's you, a lot of pressure on Exactly. Teacher. And it's just not only that class. Mm. You know, maybe they, they do a specialist class. They're in the economics teacher or psychology teacher and all of the classes are different and you have different kids coming into a class and you have 50 kids coming in each class like five classes that's a lot it's a lot it's a lot for a teacher and they have to make sure that they're disseminating the curriculum on time they have marking they there's a lot that goes in their paperwork that they have to do all of this, the assignments and all of that. Yeah. So it, it, it's quite a lot for, for teachers. However, if you can, as a teacher, yeah. if you have resources, if you spot something, do the little that you can do. And also that's where the parents come in because parents spend more time at home. They see it at home while they're watching TV or whatever. They see a child maybe sitting in a different way. Well, I did it as a child. Yeah. <laughs> it's normal. <laughs> it's normal. But obviously you look at other symptoms related to it and then you try to see and like you normally say, take out a box and have a box and list it to say this this could be, this could be, this could be that. And then if you can, that's another thing, going to a specialist. Because yes. some countries or some places, they don't have the certain specialist yes. and also the resources and the financial aspect of it because they're just so expensive. Yeah. That's the reality of it. So all of these things, they're quite daunting. But And yeah. I think the technology what we're living in is making it even more Mm. challenging because mm. usually kids would play outside those things will be stimulated yes 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 now it's it's not the case you know the, so those things are arising i feel a lot more now yeah you know yeah. because they're not getting enough stimulation yeah they're not getting enough stimulation they're not mm. getting um enough you, you, you know when we, we we grew up you used to go outside climb trees and all yes. of that 
some of these things would be actually, uh, I wouldn't say self-correct, but you, we would naturally stimulate them. Yes, yes, that's the word. Yes. Naturally stimulate them and without us even knowing and without our parents even knowing. And then we'll get better and better and better. Because if you can look at what the OT does, those are things that we used to do yes. outside. Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> you know, but now because the kids are inside and we're not in any way saying screen time is all bad. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. It's using it in a safe way. That's using it. it in a safe way in a limited time because kids are kids. Boundaries need to be there mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So if a child will be in the screen for three hours, three consecutive hours or five consecutive hours, then you really should be thinking about it as a parent that is it helping because they need the air, they need the fresh air, they need their gross motors to be enhanced, they need their physical ability, mental also, the brain is stimulated when they're outside, but the screen is definitely doing the opposite of that. I know some parents will not love us for that, (laughs) but hey, yeah, it's good. It depends on, it's like anything else. It depends on how we use it. Yeah. It could be the same for sugar. It could be the yeah. same for anything else. Yeah. You know? Too much of anything could mm. be a disaster, ruin yeah. some things. Yeah. yeah. So, um, sorry, we were talking, about, <laughs> we were talking about the sensory craving, right? And, uh, oh, there was another story I wanted to tell you about. Um, so everything is an obstacle. Brenda was a toddler. He was like two, maybe younger even, maybe 18 months, Mm. and he used to build obstacles by himself. Mm. He used to take his tins of milk or his Mm. nappy bags or anything he could find in the house, he would build little obstacles and hop and bounce and then bounce over this one and jump on this one and bounce over. He used to build these little obstacles. So, but I never knew that back then, Mm. you see. And also they're playing, so yeah, yeah, you never know. But mm. I, I know now that back then it was, he was stimulating that busy body. <laughs> and it shows the creativity they have, which yes. is a positive thing yes. about it. As, as much as they have the sensory uh, vestibular dysfunction, but it, at the same time they have that uh, creativity to say, I'm feeling like this, let me do this. That's them creating a, or say a pseudonym or self-regulation uh, technique or activity for themselves which is a good thing that imagination is brilliant they need to they need to have that yeah so um yeah i think uh we are close to the end of this one now with the craving it's oh swinging and rocking and spinning and usually you'll find them on merry-go-rounds constantly playing on merry-go-rounds you know in the parks outside Mm. yeah i don't know if you get them anymore even do you i haven't seen you some places, some places. <laughs> some places. <laughs> the positive about this is, when they are craving these um, these motor skills, they are also advanced, de- advancedly developing these mm-hmm. skills. Mm-hmm. If you think about the under-responsive child, and the you know the under-responsive child versus the seeking child, so the under-responsive child unfortunately because they're avoiding mm. those type of things their motor skills will be underdeveloped versus the craving mm. child which will be quite a little bit more advanced, advanced than that. Yeah. yeah that's true wow that's really quite informative for us to to learn and right now we'll talk about the causes 
and just mention a few it could be infections ear infections that kids would get maybe a number of infections uh, I'd say consistently they keep on getting infections that's why it's so important to make sure that you check it out um, inner ear problems such as poor circulation in the ear uh, problems rooted in the brain such as a traumatic brain injury so those are kind of the few uh, causes that we have and there is more obviously so we will put more information in the description box so that you can find out about them how to be diagnosed we, we spoke about specialist a lot uh, you could have an ENT checking obviously the ear of the child or you mentioned a auto uh, uh, an audiologist. Audiologist. So yes, and also it does depend in the countries you stay as well. Yes, but yes. Uh, mainly yes, uh, yes. ENT and audiologist. They do certain tests to pick up on these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And they will do a hearing exam, vision exam, blood test, um, imaging test of the head and the brain, which is I think this could be your CT scan. There's actually quite a lot of different tests that it do. Yeah. So it's a nice read if you're interested in looking at that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And a clinical test balance and uh, look at your posture and movement using a structured exam. So we get to understand that for a specialist to come to a conclusion or the diagnosis, there are a number of tests that have to be run. So it's quite important, hence we say that you cannot self-diagnose yourself. We can never overemphasize that. Okay, so now we will talk about the treatments. So the treatments is, normally they will try to check the underlying issue. Like for instance, if you have an infection, obviously you get an antibiotics to, for them to just try and help you with the ear issue infection and then try to look at the inner ear of the child so it's very important that there are sometimes underlying issues before the sensory one the vestibular one and changes in life like for instance your diet and activities like we mentioned like if a child spends more time on screen then obviously you have to reduce the screen and make them make sure that they're doing more activities outside even in inside because I know sometimes, for instance, in the UAE, during summer, we can't go outside. Yes. We're stuck inside because it's really hot. So having those activities in, indoors, they really help a lot. Uh, taking them to the parks, indoor parks. I know that Brendan has a swing, so indoors in their room. So all of that, if you can. And oh, there's so many different things to do inside. Yeah. Gym balls. Gym balls, yes. There's mattresses that can do bouncing and stuff on mattresses. Yeah. They can Even your sofa. <laughs> Some will not allow that. But even I if, wouldn't mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to be honest, even your sofa, like things like that, the chair, making them climb on the chairs, you know, obviously doing them in a bub putting boundaries and yeah. making it an activity. But there is definitely a way. Yeah, there is a way, you know, and using what yeah. you have, you don't have to go and, yeah, string yourself financially yeah. and buying things that maybe you don't have the financial capacity yeah. of. 
So yeah. And if you have a lack of creativity, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, actually, some people actually really yeah, struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. You just use Pinterest. Pinterest yes, is Pinterest is amazing. I know. Yeah. There's so many creative ideas out there to use in the house. You can mm. even use the block tiles in your house to do obstacles and bounces. And, yes, yes. You know, let them roll from from one spot to another. There's so many different there's so ideas. Many. Yeah, there's really many. So even in a small house, you can mm. you you could be surprised yeah. what you can do with what we have. Sometimes we take for granted what we have yes. and think we need more, but sometimes you you don't need more. Use what we have. Try to use what you have in order to enhance your child's mm. health and well-being. Okay, surgery. If it's severe, that's another one that they could uh, do. And then rehabilitation, that's another one, which would then come as in the OT that will help you with exercises and what to do in your daily lives and it really enhances uh, your rest of your, yeah. yeah, which is integration. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it depends on the... Um, what the causes are versus what treatment yes. you'll be using. Yes. That's why it's so important because there's a vast amount of causes. Mm. It's good to get the proper treatments like you've mentioned before. Yeah. I think that's a really good point that you've yeah. made yeah. with that. Yeah, it, it, it's so important to get a proper diagnosis and proper treatment and make sure that uh, you're in a lookout yeah. on your child's health or your health because even adults can have vestibular. Yes. So it's just so important for us uh, to, to take care of ourselves, especially in these times. Uh, there's a lot of sicknesses, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. But like we said in one of the episodes is that a lot of these uh, cases, it's things that you can work around it. You just have to find ways and activities in how to soothe in and self-regulation and stimulate, like, and stimulate your child. So, yeah. I think this is a really lovely topic. I do think we sometimes forget. I mean, even me going through the stuff again, it was nice to bring that up again mm -hmm. and, and know these things you mm -hmm. know it really is good tools yeah, yeah. to use yeah. to help your mm -hmm. child when necessary i yeah. always say they're the next gen they're the next gen we have to give them the tools, we have to give them the tools. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. so we we really need you know the good thing about this generation is that they have all the information technology yeah. you know with technology we have all the information even when you just uh search on YouTube vestibular exercises you could see you, you can find them you know obviously that are safe vestibular exercises that you can do just do it with your child I think even if you suspect that your child has and you don't have uh, the finances for the diagnosis just do those activities for yourself if maybe they don't have it then it means that's a good point. Just use you know. them anyway. Exercise is good for our bodies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just use them anyway. And then your child, if they don't have it, then you're enhancing their skills even the more. Yeah. So there's no harm in doing the exercises, only if they're safe, obviously. And just check with your doctor if your child has any medical conditions because it's something that is so important that you always always check with your doctor and your professional, your pediatrician, if your child can do those exercises. But I don't think any doctor could say no. No. For, yeah, 
if you want your child to do exercises but yeah yeah so this was a lovely topic i it really was, loved it it was it was a lovely so informative and thank you so much with your knowledge and your stories <laughs> we really learned a lot from you once again and yeah thank, thank you everyone you. for tuning in yes. and see you next week Have a